citizens, and welcome to Unknown. I'm Jason McClellan. Thanks for hanging out with me. UFO crash retrievals. This is an area of UFO research that's gained interest recently. So let's take a little time today and explore it. A main reason for the recent surge in interest about the retrievals of crashed UFOs is an article published by the New York Times on July 23, 2020, titled, No Longer in the Shadows. Pentagon's UFO unit will make some findings public. The article's authors, Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal, point out that former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid believes, quote, that crashes of objects of unknown origin may have occurred and that retrieved materials should be studied, end quote. This is a sentiment that Reid has mentioned a couple times to KLAS investigative reporter George Knapp. In 2009, Reed tried to get the Pentagon to turn ATIP into a special access program, a more classified operation, in part because he wanted to connect with other secret programs that may or may not have hard evidence of UFOs, including materials or technology recovered from crash sites. One reason I did that is there's always this uh, rumor, this, uh, some people say that uh, there are some uh, public corporations that have uh, materials that we should look at. Now, I wanted to make sure that that was valid or not valid, but I couldn't get, they wouldn't, uh, Defense Department wouldn't approve it. I don't know, I don't know anything about exotic materials. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that. The Times article also mentions Eric Davis a former Pentagon subcontractor, who says he, quote, gave a classified briefing to a Defense Department agency as recently as March about retrievals from off-world vehicles not made on this earth, end quote. Davis was contracted by Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies, or BAS, a private organization owned by real estate and private space tycoon Robert Bigelow. BAS received a government contract to study all sorts of strange things, including UFOs. Back in December of 2017, the New York Times published an article that not only revealed this government-funded study, but also reported that Bass, quote, modified buildings in Las Vegas for the storage of metal alloys and other materials that Mr. Elizondo and program contractors said had been recovered from unidentified aerial phenomena, end quote. The Mr. Elizondo mentioned here is Luis Elizondo, who was also mentioned in the July 23rd New York Times article. Elizondo is the former head of the Pentagon's UFO project, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. The recent New York Times article says that, quote, Mr. Elizondo is among a small group of former government officials and scientists with security clearances who, without presenting physical proof, say they are convinced that objects of undetermined origin have crashed on Earth with materials retrieved for study, end quote. That government-funded study was put in motion by Harry Reid, who is a longtime friend of Robert Bigelow. And the Times points out that Reed's, quote, interest in UFOs came from Mr. Bigelow, end quote. 
So you can quickly start to see that a lot of these recent claims of recovered UFO crashes seemingly share an incestuous relationship. Robert Bigelow's interest in alleged alien materials is well documented. And we know that To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, or TTSA, is actively engaged in acquiring alleged alien materials. In 2018, the organization announced its ATOM project. ATOM stands for Acquisition and Data Analysis of Materials. In describing this project, TTSA details, quote, From time to time, various sources have collected material samples reported to have come from advanced aerospace vehicles of unknown origin, popularly known as UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UFOs, end quote. And the Atom Research Project aims to, quote, subject these materials to detailed and rigorous scientific evaluation wherever feasible, end quote. This is being achieved through a contract with EarthTech International, a privately funded research organization in Austin, Texas, founded by TTSA co-founder Dr. Hal Pudoff. Until recently, Eric Davis had been working with Pudoff at EarthTech International. Pudoff spoke with George Knapp about retrieved material back in 2018. But multiple sources have confirmed to us there was a weird piece of something at the Bigelow plant. Physicist Dr. Hal Putoff was one of the chief scientists for the Bass study. He confirmed last month that he had a look at, quote, unusual material that was very complex. Putoff implied it was engineered by unknown means, layered, he says, in ways that produced unusual characteristics. But that's as far as he would go. Notice that this is another Bigelow connection. As George mentioned, Putoff was a chief scientist at Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies. Luis Elizondo currently works with Hal Pudoff at TTSA. Elizondo is currently the Director of Government Programs and Services at this company, and Chris Mellon, the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, serves on the advisory board for TTSA. Mellon was asked by CNN recently to share his thoughts about Eric Davis's off-world vehicles not made on this earth statement from the recent New York Times article. I was quoting Eric Davis. I know you're familiar with his work when I read that that uh, New York Times paragraph a moment ago. Do you believe that there are objects in our possession, broadly defined our possession, that are from something other than this earth? What I will say about that is that I think that assertion should be taken seriously. Um, I, I'm aware of, I know Eric very well. Um, I understand his arguments. Uh, I was present at his briefings uh, on the Hill, and uh, he tried to provide some leads for them to follow to uh, enable them potentially to confirm this. Um, it, it is an issue that should be taken seriously. There's a connection between Chris Mellon and one of the authors of the recent New York Times article. He and Leslie Kane are both board members of the automated UFO surveillance network called UFO Data. Kane interviewed Mellon on the Huffington Post back in 2016 when he joined the board. And he made some interesting comments about a government UFO cover-up, or rather the lack of a government UFO cover-up. Here's what he said. Quote, I highly doubt DOD or any other government agency is concealing UFO information. I participated in a comprehensive review of DOD's black programs and spent over a decade conducting oversight of the National Foreign Intelligence Program, an almost totally separate world of secrets. I visited Area 51 and other military intelligence and research facilities. During all those years, 
I never detected the faintest hint of government interest or involvement in UFOs, end quote. When Kane asked him his thoughts on the need for declassifying government UFO documents, here's how he responded, quote, While a few new, previously overlooked documents might turn up, the bureaucracy is never perfect, I do not believe they would resolve the UFO issue or provide significant new insights. I can think of one lengthy UFO report that is classified only due to concerns over sources and methods. In fact, it identified a convincing conventional explanation for the pilot sightings in this particular case. There are lots of classified documents related to activities at Area 51 where high security is needed, but this is all legitimate stuff the American people would support. They have nothing to do with UFOs, to the best of my knowledge, end quote. He did add, though, that he, quote, found the utter lack of scientific curiosity due to political correctness highly frustrating, end quote, and that we should, quote, simply and impartially follow the trail wherever it leads, end quote. Kane posed the question, quote, some inside sources have proposed that retrieved hardware from a UFO may exist within a private aerospace company, which has become independent from the DOD. In this way, it would be exempt from government oversight and known only to a few people. Do you think this is possible? End quote. To which Mellon responded, quote, I find it hard to imagine something as explosive as recovered alien technology remaining under wraps for decades. So while I have no reason to believe there is any recovered alien technology, I will say this. If it were me, and I were trying to bury it deep, I'd take it outside government oversight entirely and place it in a compartment as a new entity with an existing defense company and manage it as what we call an IRAD, or Independent Research and Development Activity, end quote. But Kane asked him again if he was sure there isn't a government cover-up. He said, quote, It's impossible to prove the negative. So all I can say is that I never saw any evidence of official interest in UFOs. I'd love to believe we have a crash saucer somewhere, but I've never seen anything remotely supportive of such incredible claims, end quote. ATIP was reportedly an official program with an interest in UFOs, and reportedly it wasn't a top secret program either. So it's interesting that Mellon was seemingly unaware of its existence in 2016. Of course, these statements are from four years ago, and Mellon now spends his time working with UFO-focused companies. So his views on some of this have likely changed, but do keep in mind that these statements were based on what he knew from his career as a well-connected government official. Any new information that may have influenced his belief would have come from his current colleagues and others, not from any first-hand knowledge gained during his government career. In the recent New York Times article, the authors cautiously and responsibly added statements like, quote, In some cases, earthly explanations have been found for previously unexplained incidents. Even lacking a plausible terrestrial explanation does not make an extraterrestrial one the most likely, astrophysicists say, end quote. And here's another one, quote, No crashed artifacts have been publicly produced for independent verification. Some retrieved objects, such as unusual metallic fragments, were later identified from laboratory studies as man-made, end quote. Now, this is good, responsible, objective journalism on the part of the authors, but don't misinterpret this as saying there's nothing noteworthy to look at when it comes to the subject of UFO crash retrievals. And also don't think that this is some new sexy angle being added to the UFO discussion. Crash retrievals have always been a part of UFO lore. 
Just think about the 1947 Roswell UFO incident. It's a prime example. But it's just one of so many. So much has been written on crash retrievals, and it is its own subset of UFO research. And it's this area of research that really thrust Leslie Kane into the world of UFO journalism. Back in the early 2000s, she co-founded the Coalition for Freedom of Information, an independent alliance advocating for greater government openness on information about UFOs. She was the plaintiff in a five-year Freedom of Information Act federal lawsuit against NASA for withholding documents related to the 1965 Kecksburg UFO incident. On December 9, 1965, witnesses observed a fireball shooting through the evening sky. The UFO appeared to make what seemed like a controlled crash landing in the woods. Witnesses described the UFO as looking like a giant acorn. They also describe that the area was quickly closed off by the military and something was removed on a large flatbed truck. In 2009, Kane explained to Space.com's Leonard David, quote, After previously promising to conduct an expedited search for files related to the 1965 Kecksburg UFO crash case, NASA had stonewalled and was withholding documents, leaving no recourse but this one. A settlement four years later, in October 2007, required NASA to provide hundreds of new documents and pay my attorney's legal fees, end quote. No smoking gun was found in these documents, but it was revealed that many related files were either missing or had been destroyed. One of the more interesting items, at least to me, that Kane had discussed related to these NASA files is Project Moondust a federal program involving the retrieval of space debris and objects of unknown origin. This project reportedly worked with the Air Force's Project Blue Book and the Foreign Technology Division at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So, there's just one example of a government entity tasked with crash retrievals. And as I've been saying for a while now, it really shouldn't surprise anybody that there would be a special group or multiple groups specifically responsible for going out and recovering downed objects. Test flights of top secret stuff happen all the time. And even if something isn't top secret, the military would understandably be standing by to recover its assets should they crash somewhere. That's just common sense. But yeah, it's also conceivable that these same groups would also be responsible for the recovery of any unknowns that crash as well. One intriguing story that always comes to my mind when talking about the topic of UFO crash retrievals is the unusual material that George Knapp smuggled out of Russia. An alleged UFO crash happened in Russia in 1986. George Knapp traveled to the crash site in the 90s and was given pieces of material reportedly recovered from the crash site. Knapp snuck these pieces out of the country, and in 2012, when the National Atomic Testing Museum in Las Vegas, Nevada opened its Area 51 Myth or Reality exhibit, it featured a piece of this material donated by Knapp. The information card accompanying the exhibit called it a, quote, authentic alien artifact, end quote. And the description stated, quote, three Soviet academic centers and 11 research institutes analyzed the objects from this UFO crash. The distance between atoms is different from ordinary iron. Radar cannot be reflected from the material. Elements in the material may disappear and new ones appear after heating. One piece disappeared completely in front of four witnesses. The core of the material is composed of a substance with anti-gravitational properties. End quote. So, here is one example of a piece of material with some pretty incredible claims... Knapp has had these since the 90s, and they were on public display in 2012. 
And if I remember correctly, I think he may have even given a piece to Robert Bigelow. But Lee Spiegel even wrote about this medal in the Huffington Post back in 2012. So the subject of UFO crash retrieval certainly isn't new, and it's not something that hasn't been covered in mainstream media before. And very early in my professional UFO career, right after we had formed the UFO media company Open Minds, we were asked to provide production support for an annual conference that took place in Las Vegas called the UFO Crash Retrieval Conference, which was put on by UFO researcher Ryan Wood. Yeah, an entire conference centered around the theme of crash retrievals. Again, crash retrievals have always been part of UFO lore, and it's an exciting subset of this phenomenon to explore. Mysterious materials from unknown objects that might be extraterrestrial in origin? It's hard not to find that exciting. But, of course, we always have to keep our excitement in check when it comes to stuff like this. We have to carefully analyze the source of the material, the claims behind them, who is making those claims, what testing has been done, who did the testing, and so much more. As with all things in UFO research, you have to make sure you don't get so excited by something that you lose your objectivity. And we always want to see objectivity exercised when it comes to any kind of testing and scientific analysis. Unfortunately, that's rare when it comes to testing of alleged alien materials. Some of the biggest claims made about alleged alien material have been made by people with very pro-UFO opinions and very personal connections to the material in question. That's not to say that people closely connected to something or with strong feelings about UFOs are incapable of performing good science. But for objectivity's sake, to avoid the appearance of favoring one outcome over the other, testing of this kind always benefits from multiple independent labs where tests are performed by specialists who have no stake in the results and where multiple results can be compared. Of course, when it comes to UFOs and those rare opportunities where there is a small amount of something to test, this is asking a lot, and in many cases, just isn't feasible. And this is just one of many reasons why proving anything is from an extraterrestrial spacecraft is exceptionally challenging, and unlikely to happen anytime soon. But it doesn't mean that those who are pursuing this avenue of research should give up. Not at all. I think it's great that people are willing to invest time and resources into this area of UFO research. I love to say that with something as enigmatic as UFOs, it only benefits the research to have people doing all the things all the time. Well, citizens, that's going to do it for this episode. You can find more episodes of Unknown on all the major podcast platforms. And you can always find this show and our other shows at RoguePlanet.tv because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange. Feel free to reach out to us if you've got a story you want to share, there's a story or topic you'd like us to cover on this show, or anything else. You can find us on social media or simply email us at contact at RoguePlanet.tv. Thanks again for hanging out with me today. I'm Jason McClellan. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And, of course, stay strange. Stay strange.